How I Got Here, the inside stories of startups and innovation in travel and transportation with your hosts, FocusWire's Kevin May and Mozio's David Litwack. Hello there and welcome to another episode of How I Got Here. This is uh, Mozio and FocusWise, uh, inside stories around uh, innovation and startups in travel and transportation. We're delighted for this latest episode to be joined by uh, Stefan Egberg, who's the CEO of the Travel Start Group, uh, based in South Africa, but formerly from Scandinavia, Sweden in, in particular. Uh, he's got a, a really interesting backstory, which is why we've invited him on here for this show. So uh, first of all, uh, a very warm welcome, Stefan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Kevin. Great to be here. Okay, right. So as always with these, we, uh, we start with the question and we ask for you to give us a kind of a succinct overview and that's uh, how did you get here? Yeah, how did I get here? It's like that David Byrne song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing I thought about when you asked that. So, um, so I thought about that and, um, uh, and um, I, I, I think it's uh, through a series of you know, maybe fortunate or unfortunate, not necessarily connected events that got me to where I am today. Because, you know, when I look back for what I intended to do and what I'm doing today, uh, you know, I, I got derailed, you know, quite a lot. So obviously, uh, um, but I think, you know, the ingredients are basically um, the, the following. Um, one is a... Um, a bankruptcy in Scandinavia's largest consolidator. It's a um, encounter with a CompuServe that knocked me off my feet. Uh, it's a broken payphone access charge mod model. Uh, another thing is a dismissal by investors. I think another piece of the puzzle is a is a an, is an intervention by god to be honest okay uh, also um i think an adventure in search of a treasure somewhere and of course my my favorite topic 911 so i think that that's that's sort of when you when you when you when you put those pieces together that's how i got to where where i am today and um you know, if you want me to deep dive on some of these topics, I'd be happy to. But, you know, yeah. if you want to take that as a starting ground, you know, I'm more than happy to. So well, let, let, me ask, let me ask you this, Stefan. Do you consider yourself to be lucky or do you consider yourself to be unlucky? Because it is a series of, as, as you and I have spoken many times before, there's been a series of uh, you know, unfortunate events. Yeah. Led, yeah, led you to where you are. Do you consider yourself a lucky or unlucky person? I, I, I consider myself one of the luckiest guys in the world, to be honest. So, yeah, I do. I do. And, that's, and that's because I, you've always managed to pick yourself up from the, the pitfalls that you've faced over the years, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, but I, but I also think, you know, I, I, one of the things that I always talk about is sort of a little bit my naivety, and I never thought about it, but I see it in my youngest daughter uh, her naivety when you know things hits her she's sort of unaware about the fact that actually things went really shit now you know okay you actually have no friends at school aren't you worried about that no <laughs> 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 and, 
And, um, and, and I never thought about it, but I thought, you know what, I'm a little bit like her. I'm sort of, I, I'm, I, I don't always think about the fact that, oh my gosh, you know, this is actually uh, a catastrophe here. And, um, and so, so I, I tend not always uh, to uh, be aware of, uh, of how things are because I'm sort of normally always on a bit of a mission. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, yeah. That that's blatantly clear to anyone who's ever met you. I would say, and I say that in a in a positive way. So let let's 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 go back to um, the early days. Now, it's I would say it's probably fairly well known that you had a uh, a, a successful and budding DJ career. Uh, yeah. in your in your early days, um, yeah. which is fairly well documented. But I, I'm kind of interested in that kind of shift from that into you know. You know, frankly, getting into online travel. So, if you can kind of talk us through those steps, because um, you know we're all amateur DJs these days, but it's a fair like, sizable jump in careers and, and and pivot if we're allowed to use that word. Look, I mean, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that that big of a difference because I mean, it's sort of when I when I worked as a DJ, you've got to remember that you know I started back in the early days of Saturday Night Fever. And, you know, the equipment that you had back in those days, they were hacks, you know. So basically before every gig, you know, when you were in a club, you had to be under the console, you know, you know, fixing the wires. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we found a, 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 some sort of fuse box or something to, to connect to the, uh, to the mixer board to, to have different sounds. So, so there was actually somehow uh, a lot of uh, technology uh, involved in that in the early days, and another thing also that people don't tend to, to people tend to forget is that you know when you when you play in front of an audience, you have to be extremely customer focused because if you don't, you know you, you you know you will you know you will be soon very soon out of fashion, or if you if you're not in tune with what they're doing, you at least have to know okay what is the next trend is going, and you have to be good enough. And you have to be influential enough to create that trend. Mm-hmm. And so there are, uh, I, I would say, uh, a lot of similarities with, with the world of business and innovation in general and, um, and being a DJ and being a good DJ I'm talking about now. Uh, not just any Tom, Dick, and Harry, of course. <laughs> but, in, but, in, in, indeed. But I, I suppose the interesting thing is, is that, um, you know, the technical aspects... Yep, tick that. The customer focused part, knowing yeah. when to spin the right tunes and yeah. you know, becoming customer focused with an online travel agency. Yeah. But the entrepreneurial part of that, yeah. is that no, something I mean, that you learned as well? Or would you, would you have considered yourself to be an entrepreneurial I, disc jockey? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is that, uh, first of all, you know, a, a DJ is only as good as their, their last gig. So, you know, you have to perform all the time and and you can't it's not it's not a job because you know if if you if you fall behind you know there are other younger better talented who will you know take your uh, job in the in, in the booth where you're playing so you have to sort of constantly be uh, on the ball and you also at least in those days you have to negotiate with dodgy characters all the time you know, so you come into a room with, you know, half-naked ladies and, you know, you know, club owner, you know, is half-stoned. And, and so, uh, so you have you negotiate with dodgy characters basically all the time. And in, in those days, you, rec- you, you negotiated with record labels as well because you wanted to get 
all the records for free. So you had to, and they, they, those guys had a lot of power back in those days. And, and um, uh, you know, obviously there's a whole stuff, a whole bunch of stuff that you need to negotiate your whole, the whole time. So you're basically, you are, I mean, you are an entrepreneur because you're on your own. There is no job security. So I'm going to make an, um, maybe an obvious segue about dodgy characters. I mean, once you did make that shift from, um, you know, from being a DJ into online travel, I mean, did you come across, uh, dare I say, shady characters in those early days simply because what you were doing was very new? With yeah, look, I mean, I mean w- 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 one of my, my first partner, he was basically, uh, he was a very, very shrewd uh, uh, business guy and he owned a bucket shop. And um, uh, for those guys who listen in on this, who doesn't know what a bucket, bucket shop is, it's basically uh, normally a travel agency um, located on a high street uh, in, in a major city. And they're often run by Persians or people from Chile. Sometimes they were from Spain or uh, often, you know, India, uh, you know, and, and, and they normally target uh, their own, um, you know, uh, population uh, going home for their annual trips. And they, these bucket shops, they often have special deals with, um, you know, some carriers or they have ways of finding airline tickets that, that most um, people don't. So obviously bucket shops are largely gone today. Thank God for that, by the way. But um, uh, and, and and these guys, they are you know completely shady. You know? So so uh, it, often their businesses are illegal, and sometimes their businesses is you know doing other stuff besides selling travel. So it could be importing stuff, exporting stuff. Sometimes it's substance involved, and uh, yeah. So so. Uh, and so my first partner that I had was one of these guys. And um, I mean, the thing was like with most people, he had two sides, one really wonderful and charming and completely adorable side and one really dark side. And I think by the time I got in, he was wanted in Spain for, you know, rape or, you know, murder or something like that. I can't really remember. And uh, often his airline negotiation, you know, ended with him, you know, shouting at them, screaming at them, throwing stuff at them. Or, and, uh, and often, often, you know, they had all their various ways of trying to find ways to make money outside of the Swedish tax system. And uh, a lot of it was, of course, always in cash. So um, one of the guys, guys went, went across the border to Denmark uh, once a week with a, with a briefcase full of cash to, to buy, <laughs> buy, buy airline tickets. And often, to be honest, the country managers of the various airlines, they were often in on the deals. And you could see that by them, you know, driving, um, you know, beautiful Bentleys and stuff like that and having fur coats and, you know, expensive, thick, um, uh, you know, Rolex watches these, um, these uh, airline managers and often, you know, the, the, the actual CEO of, for instance, Swiss Air, when he came to visit this little shop in Malmo with two uh, employees, he realizes that, my gosh, this country manager here is much more well-off than I am. Now, how is this working? And, but there was so much money 
floating, you know, under the table, beside the table, you know, underhand dealings, left and right, uh, that I got, I got very uh, intrigued by this industry back in those days, I must say, that, that there was so much money floating around. So what I managed to do, what nobody else had really thought about, was that I thought that, you know, I want to get normal mainstream customers uh, I want them to come and buy a ticket without all the shadiness. So what I managed, so I built this brand called International Tours, which became like the largest, you know, consolidator in uh, in Scandinavia and, and a very reputable brand. Everybody bought from us. And so that was sort of, it was a bucket shop with a beautiful brand on steroids without all the, without all the dodgy dealings and, you know, all this, strange stuff so it was basically just I, I i cleaned up the model and 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 made it mainstream and um but as i said in the beginning you know a bankruptcy in scandinavia's largest consolidator you know we later went 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 bankrupt and and that has its own backstory but um i don't know if i want to go into that now but because it's <laughs> okay. anyway, so yeah well so <clears throat> you mentioned about five or six different uh, things and you said something about a CompuServe and the 911. So uh, you just touched on the largest travel consolidator, and I, I, I guess I was actually confused by that. I thought that was a different travel consolidator. It sounds like it was your travel consolidator. Yeah. Um, what about some of the other uh, <clears throat> influences? Okay, so so obviously I can tell you. So um, after after my company, uh, I'd actually sold it. So um, but, but the new owners, unfortunately, the, the company went bankrupt. But Afterwards, you know, so sort of travel was travel, and music was the only two things that I knew, and 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 uh, but I thought I didn't want to go back to uh, I didn't want to go back to uh, the music part, and I thought that traveling intrigued it intrigued me not so much the actual traveling because I never really I was never I never chose this profession because I love travel I actually don't really care much about it, but I I love the fact how how uh, how broken it is to use a google word you know and uh, and th th there was always so much to do and um and so that that's why i really liked it now anyway um sort of after this bankruptcy a friend of mine come over come over from america and i just bought the first um uh, apple uh, laptop that came out and uh, and he he, sh he showed me uh, CompuServe, and uh, I was blown away. I mean, you know, um, uh, I had this thing where you could dial up certain things, but CompuServe w was something different. And there was a travel section there, w which I logged into, and you know, boom! Lo and behold, there was a Saber green screen, and I was ecstatic because I I, I knew, of course, how to make a um, you know a, like a like a long entry booking which you needed to do there. There was no sort of, no real um, user interface. And, uh, and once I've concluded this booking to Paris, I was like, flip, this is incredible. You just need to make this, you know, easier for people, for those who don't know how to do these commands. So, um, so, so, so that was a, um, that was a total revelation for me. I mean, I, I, I remember it so well, I think it was 95, I think it was July 20. It was like lightning struck me or something like that. 
and uh, that was really a beautiful moment. So, um, <laughs> interestingly, um, uh, we're, we're hearing lots of pinging here, because for those, you know, we're not recording this live, but in a couple of weeks when this goes out, we're just hearing that Mark Okerstrom, CEO of Expedia, is, uh, has resigned, and his CFO as well, so that's probably why we're hearing lots Are of... Are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> this is what happens when you record live during the news day, so uh, <laughs> um, we probably shouldn't go into it in great detail, because um, uh, we don't know anything about it as such, and, uh, but yeah, that may be... Uh, listeners why we're getting lots of pinging from people's computers here i mean we can uh, maybe oh. discuss it another time but i mean I interestingly stuff and if you could talk us through you know um you know you built a really successful business in scandinavia mm. and it was you know it was growing and you know dare i say you know you said there was lots of money kicking about and things were in inverted commas comfortable mm -hmm. how did you kind of see that period in terms of your own kind of personal success did is that something that you were thinking you know I've got a, a long and glittering career ahead of me or did you always have some kind of um, vision or aspiration to kind of move on and we can come to the moving on when you move to South Africa um, uh, in a little while but I'm just getting a sense of I've always you've always come across as somebody who doesn't like to sit still for very long did you ever have a sense that you were feeling very comfortable with how things were going in with travel start in Scandinavia? No, I, I mean, uh, you know, I, I've heard this quite a few times uh, here that I'm more of a wartime guy than a peacetime guy. And, uh, I, you know, if there is no chaos, I will create chaos just, you know, to, to ha have some stuff happening. And I, I think that's a trait that most entrepreneurs to some degree, ha some degree have. I think that, uh, um, uh, you know, obviously, um, See, see, the thing is that, you know, after, after the bankruptcy, you know, the, the industry in Sweden, they, they treated me like paria, you know, like, like, like I had leprosy or something like that. Then when I had success with Travel Start, of course, then I was, you know, celebrated when I, I was the best thing since sliced bread. And, you know, I've sort of always didn't, didn't care about those things, to be honest. But for me, it was more, um, uh, you know, a little bit of a journey you know, uh, how, how far can you take certain things and, um, and, you know, what can you learn in the process? What's, what's beyond the horizon and stuff like that. So, I mean, that was always better. I mean, the, the actual the journey was always very, very important to me. And, uh, and I liked that challenge. And what would, what you have said was probably the hardest task of, you know, overseeing that company and growing it at the, you know, at the same time. Um, are we talking about my, my Scandinavian business now? Yes, or, yeah, yeah. I, I think the tough, the absolutely toughest thing was that that you know we we we, we wanted to build this uh, this uh, you know rocket ship or Ferrari or whatever you want to call it. But the problem was that there was not not even gravel roads in those days. So there was no payment connectors. There was no easy, easy way how to get on the internet internet. Even actually accessing internet was a problem in those days. Suppliers, they didn't know what we were talking about. Um, GDSs didn't know what we were talking about. So everything, you needed to hack everything. And that was, of course, uh, that was wonderful because you, you created something out of nothing. And, and so by the time we started Mr. Jet, for instance, uh, so this is just prior to Travel Start. So when we started that, Obviously, uh, Expedia um, uh, 
you know, was doing business and Travelocity was doing business. PC Travel might have just shut down, um, you know, and, there, and, and there, there were a few others in America. I don't think that last minute had even started when, when, when we got going. And so you needed to invent everything from scratch. scratch. And, and that was really uh, wonderful in many ways because so once I got fired from there, starting up Travel Start, you know, I sort of knew how how to uh, to do things and navigate things. Then, you know, it was more about, okay, so I've got access to supply now. I've got content, you know, people can pay, et cetera, et cetera. And how can we do this better? And, um, and now how will we get traffic? So that was, of course, a different challenge. And it's a challenge that the whole industry has today, of course. Uh, but, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I like that journey and, uh, you know, it was, you know, so basically you, you had to invent everything, um, uh, you know, from scratch and, uh, you know, that was just something that we, uh, enjoyed doing. So I want to quickly summarize here. So, um, it, it's, you did international tours first and then Mr. Jet was the second and that was, was, is that correct? That's Scandinavia only. And then it was travel start after that. Am I, am I correct on that? Yeah, so it was travel start after that. And so bear in mind, there was a couple of projects in between international tours and Mr. Jet as well. You know, so we had, so we were working on this payphone access, you know, charge model. And uh, when the first um, uh, browser came out, it was pretty obvious that, you know, we should just move everything to the internet instead. But the problem was that there was nobody on the internet in those days. You know, it was just a thing. So, um, so it took time before time caught up with us. But in Scandinavia, at least, I remember it so well, you know, the pivotal moment for uh, on, online travel, the first, the first iteration was really 9-11 because that's when, that's when people flocked <clears throat> to the internet to find good deals. And uh, so that was really, you know, great for us, you know, because there was lots of deals out there. You know, there was lots of capacity uh, they wanted to do business with everybody, especially the airlines, and um, and so 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 that that was actually a, a pivotal moment for us for, for for the whole industry. So sorry, you I think mentioned something there, and I just want to uh, go a little deeper. You said that this pay by phone kind of stuff. So was that Mr. Jet? And then when you transitioned to uh, you know when you had your aha moment seeing the Saber screen, that that's when you started Travel Start. And, and I would love to hear a little bit more about that transition. Because it seems like an interesting in-between phase between yeah. So, 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 so I'll tell you what the in-between phase was. So I had the international tours. Then the, the next thing was I, I, I encountered you know CompuServe, but you know before I, I mean conceptually I didn't even know what a freaking graphical user interface was. You know and uh, and but so so between that and 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 the first uh, you know browser experience how, how we developed something was actually we did this, this you know payphone access charge model uh, where you basically you know you, you you had these menus you know click you know or press one if you want to go from Stockholm you know press five if you want to go to London so you can just imagine you know sometimes they had to wait like seven minutes before before their choice came up. So, so, um, so that wasn't uh, sustainable. So I partnered with, a, with, a, with a, uh, the largest media corporation in Sweden to put, put these menus on, 
uh, in, in their in their papers, so people could immediately access. Okay, press one if you want to go to Stockholm. Press you know twenty seven if you don't want to go to Malaga, for instance. And so because it was the the the, uh, the menus were too complicated. Now um, you know they we we made some money doing this because there was a lot of novelty and nobody had really done this before. And basically, what we did was we 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 uh, took all the information from. Uh, uh, the newspapers about all the last minute information that was available and we just dumped that into a database and and then people could access that but but of, of course it got very expensive for the end consumer and tedious and complicated and then then sort of the first browser came up you know and I hacked together a business plan with with a friend of mine that a company invested in and that became Mr. Jet which then sort of be became the uh, uh, household name in online travel in Scandinavia, at least at the time. I got fired from there and then I started Travel Store. So that's how it all happened. Very interesting. I want to quickly touch on something you briefly mentioned. You said you were a pariah in Sweden after the first failure. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, you know, always interesting for uh, our, our listeners, um, <clears throat> especially because in travel, it's not like the rest of startup world, so based in Silicon Valley. Um, yeah. I remember when we started this podcast, someone said, oh, you should do all your interviews in person. And I kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> unless I want to be flying all around the world, that's not going to happen. And yeah. what we, we recognize is, you know, like people are starting businesses in all different uh, places around the world. Um, and I've heard uh, a phrase applied to Scandinavia in particular called the tall poppy syndrome, which is if you stick your head kind of above the fray, you'll get, you'll get it chopped off. And this idea that like looking down on ambition and... Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you could maybe delve a little bit. How much of that, you, you being a pariah, would you think had to do with kind of societal, uh, you know, uh, norms? Well, I, I, I mean, a, a lot because um, um, obviously, I, I mean, I, you know, I grew up in the '60s, and in the '60s and '70s, to be honest, you know, getting a, a, a you know a good job, you know, even by the government, you know, was considered you know pretty pretty okay. Uh, today is completely different, you know, because today everybody wants to be rock stars and influencers and, uh, you know, entrepreneurs. So, so that's changed, you know, a lot. Um, and, uh, but in those days, it was still uh, very much that, you know, you shouldn't, shouldn't um, you know, stick your chin out because, you know, they will, they will, you know, beat you down. But, you know, guys like Slatan Ibrahimovic, uh, people like that, you know, they've changed that a lot. So, um, you know, it, today it's 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 you know much more okay to try to become successful. Mind you, it's okay to be successful, but please don't show it. So you're still expected to have a modest lifestyle, even 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 if you're uh, even if you're successful. So that's kind of interesting. Hmm. It's full 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 of full of double standards and hypocrisy. <laughs> so, um, Stefan, you might. Um you know, it was going well in Scandinavia, but then you kind of changed it all and turned everything on its head and moved to South Africa, which, yeah. uh, which is, um, which is you know, interesting on many levels. I mean, can you talk us through what was your thought process behind that? Was it uh, an emotional one? Was it a financial one? Was it a strategic one? Were you bored? Did you want a new challenge? Just kind of, yeah, I, I think the listeners will be interested to kind of understand why, really. Yeah, you know, it's quite interesting. So when I look at, when I listen to old, old um, uh, you know, 
you know, uh, episodes of uh, how did I get here? Um, it's very interesting to, 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 to listen to some people and they, they explain the thought process, how they thought about something. You know, the fact of the matter is most of the time it's more serendipity than anything else. So, uh, you know, the, I mean, the naked truth about, you know, our Africa transition was as follows. I was sick, dead and tired of, uh, uh, of Sweden. I felt that, number one, we had built up something really nice there. It was, we were doing really well. And I was in search of a new adventure. And, and my wife was also uh, a bit bored of sort of, you know, our lives there. And we thought, what would happen if we just, you know, took everything that we know, etc., and we just planted it in a new pot in South Africa, and what would then happen? So the thinking was a little bit for me was, okay, so we run this little OTA here in Sweden. Nobody knows even where Sweden is. You know, it'll take us ages before anybody finds out about us. But at least South Africa is an English-speaking country. So maybe, maybe we could have some sort of international appeal uh, if we're successful down there. Now, mind you, I knew that South African market wasn't that huge, but I thought, yeah, if we could take, you know, 60% of the market, that would still, still be a pretty big, de decent business. And, um, and so, you know, that, that, that's how it went. So it, it was partly boredom, partly, uh, partly in search for an adventure and, uh, partly search for a, a, a you know, a, a treasure, you know, and a treasure could be monetary, it could be, you know, just a challenge in life. So I think that, you know, I was never really, I was never really motivated by money. So that was never my thing. But I, I, I did want to do things that sort of nobody else have, have, have thought about before. And obviously, um, later when we sold the business in, in, in Scandinavia, I thought that the market was kind of mature in Scandinavia. Now it was more about trying to perfect that, do that better than anybody else. And uh, I felt, okay, you know, this is not so interesting for me anymore. And I was lucky enough to be able to take those kind of quick decisions uh, because I had no investors because I never managed to uh, raise any money. So I could take those decisions and the company was always profitable. So I didn't need to worry about that. Very cool. So uh, one of the things we kind of like to ask from uh, startups that aren't uh, US based and are, are in, in markets where there isn't as established of a, of a track record is kind of sort of your lost in translation moments. And for those mm -hmm. uh, listeners who, who are regular listeners, they'll remember, you know, Stuart from Clear Trip talking about his first uh, booking actually being offline because people misunderstood what an online travel agency was in India. And, you know, uh, is, you know are there any anecdotes like that that you have uh, that kind of maybe might illustrate the cultural challenges of operating in Africa? Yeah, that's a good question. I should have thought about that. Uh, look, I mean, I, I remember a whole bunch of stuff. You know, when, when we started up the business in, in, in Scandinavia, I, I started this um, newsletter that we, that we uh, you know, sent to decision makers in the travel industry. And it was basically about, you know, how dis disruption, how, how, how it would affect the industry. And one day, a CEO of a large travel company, he was, he was so irritated with us so he sent me an email saying, you know, we survived the fax 
and I'm sure we'll survive the internet as well. So um, yeah, that was kind of, kind of a funny anecdote. But <laughs> I, I think that, um, look, I, I, I think down here, you know, we run across things all the time. So basically, um, people don't know how to spell their names. I'm sure that uh, in, in other countries they have uh, similar things. Another thing that's come to think about now is that in South Africa, there is, it's quite common, um, you know, a few years back, what, what airlines used to do was um, uh, they, you know, a customer makes a booking on our website and um, the airline uh, can, cancels, uh, you know, our, our uh, uh, you know, uh, RP, which is our ownership to the, um, to the PNR. And they take over the booking and contact the customer and ask them to come to the airport and pay, pay for it. It happened all the time, you know, the first few years. Uh, so, so the airlines would simply just steal the bookings from us. So that was, you know, one thing. Another thing, which is, I, I, I don't know if it's normally here, but, but uh, quite common, some people, they, uh, they buy a trip, they pay for it, they go on the trip, then they come home and say, yeah, I'm a little bit short on cash. So, um, you know, they, they call the bank and they re re reverse the, um, the, the payment on the credit card. And then we have to prove to the bank, which is quite a tedious process, that they actually bought the ticket, they actually, you know, did travel, et cetera, et cetera. So there has been a whole bunch of uh, those things over the years. And then, of course, it's the usual stuff. People don't know how to, you know, spell their names. Um, you know, they don't have passports, you know, they don't have visas, uh, you know, they booked the wrong dates, but I think this happens to, um, to uh, basically everybody, yeah. I don't know how common not spelling your own name is in other countries, but that's a little bit more out there to me, but uh, Kevin? Happens all the time. So, um, how many years now is it that you've been in South Africa? 15 years. 15, 15 years, yeah. I mean, do, would you consider yourself and the business to have been a bit of a pioneer down in South Africa? And obviously you're reaching out into other countries uh, in, in more recent years. Are you considered in the business community down there as kind of pioneers? Yeah, I would say so. Look, I mean, there were, there were guys here before us. Last minute had been, been doing business down here for six years. Travel.com AU, uh, I don't know if they're still around, but, you know, they've been here for five years when we started. Um, and those were some of the international players that were here when we, uh, when, when we launched. So, um, but I think we were basically the first ones to do it right, for sure. I think there was a lot of stuff that we did that was um, very different. But, um, uh, but look, I mean, our industry is mature now. And, um, you know, the reason that Mark and others, they resign now is because we're becoming the new dinosaurs. So... You know, that's why all this stuff is happening very quickly. And with, with, with that in mind, what would you say has probably been your biggest achievement in, uh, with the business uh, in Africa? Um, I, I think, you know, what I am probably pretty proud of is that we've, um, we've managed to, um, you know, create a, a, a company and a brand that is considered a, uh, a true African, African success, you know, and it's one of the uh, largest e-commerce companies on this continent. Um, and, um, 
you know, that we've managed to also, I think one thing that I'm pretty proud of is that when we started down here, there was Cape Town was at the end of the world. There was basically no, uh, no, um, you know, tech, uh, you couldn't find any tech talent. And uh, so we've, we've grown a whole lot of tech talent. And today, Cape Town is a real hub. You have, you know, all the, you know, you have all the Amazons and uh, Facebook and tons and tons and tons of startups here. And we were sort of one of the first real uh, pioneers in, in e-commerce here. And, uh, and obviously some of the people that started with us, they've gone on to do phenomenal careers elsewhere. So I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, it would, I suppose it would be pretty fair to say that you haven't taken in massive amounts of funding over the years, certainly with Travel Start. So what has been your approach to that, given that you got around fairly recently and after what 10 12 years already being based in Africa yeah so I mean I think the uh, the, the reason that I took in money that was four years ago now was that I felt I you know I'm not getting any younger and um, I felt that I needed to think about some sort of um, you know plan for what is next for for the company and and I wanted a financial partner that could sort of partner with me on the next part of the journey. So basically, when we brought in money, we were quite a simple B2C player in the airspace. And over the last couple of years, specifically, you know, we ventured out into new categories. We're pretty big in accommodation. Now we do buses as well. We do... Um, corporate travel. So we have 10% of the corporate travel market in South Africa. And, um, you know, we're quite acquisitive and, um, we, you know, we do a whole bunch of stuff. So, so, um, uh, so we want to continue to do that. We, we, we want to cover as much uh, content and supply as possible on the African continent. And there is tons to do there still. And, um, and, you know, we want to cater for customers uh, irrespectively of mode of transport, irrespectively of mode of, you know, holiday or why they're traveling. And eventually we might also look at, you know, people coming into Africa, you know, so we can use our supply, um, you know, for them. So, yeah. Okay. And, and, the, and the last one then from, um, from us then, uh, Stefan, I mean, you did reference it when you were talking about your reasons from uh, moving from Sweden down to South Africa, and one of those was boredom. I mean, what do you do now to stop yourself being bored? And in the years that you have been down there, have you had to uh, make some adjustments because you have started getting bored? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I do that all the time. No, I, I mean, I keep myself busy with um, you know looking at both uh, you know new business models and also, to be honest, you know how the basic you know B two C model is going what that what that's going to look like going forward and um so i think that that's that's in, in you know i think for years there was actually not a whole lot of stuff ha happening in this industry uh that 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 i really um you know was energized by but i'm energized by the fact now that um that there is so much commotion going on you know, Google is eating everybody's, you know, lunch, dinner and breakfast and snacks as well. And, um, and so how do we, how do we, um, you know, look at that? How do we address that? And, you know, what other, what other models are there that is that we can defend more 
um, you know, towards, towards that. So I think, you know, I, I must say, I, I said to my colleagues the other day that, you know, I don't think I've been this excited about this industry in, in almost 18 years as I am now. So, okay. well, that's great. Well, thank you. Ever, thank you ever so much for joining us, Stefan. Um, we, we were out of time. Who knows by the, by the time this podcast comes out, you may well be the new uh, CEO of the Expedia Group. Maybe that's what all the pinging was in the background. That was Barry Diller contacting you, asking you if you were interested in the job. But who knows? Yeah, that uh, may have... <laughs> you never that, know. But <laughs> That would be a terrible decision. Yeah, so. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thanks ever so much from David and I for joining us on uh, uh, How I Got Here, Stefan. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Okay. And uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. This has been How I Got Here, another episode of our weekly podcast where we look at the uh, uh, innovation and stories in travel and transportation. Uh, thanks ever so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks ever so much. Thanks for listening to the How I Got Here podcast. We'll be back next week with more inside stories behind startups and innovation in travel and transportation. Check mozio.com slash move for a complete write-up of the highlights of every podcast with translations into five languages. And get your daily dose of news on the digital travel economy by subscribing to the newsletter at focuswire.com. See you next week.